There's plenty of artists out there that have so much talent, that have you know the chops and the guitar riffs and the singing that don't get the recognition that they deserve, right? right. Because there's a business side of the of the spectrum where you know artists putting together you know the right teams, which is important. There's no straight line to it. There's no like uh, A plus B equals C ever. That's part of the art of being an agent. Mm -hmm. You know, like a lot of people think that, oh, a booking agent is book shows. Yes, that's part of it, but there's much more to that. You know, and one of them is the art of having a great relationship with other people, other agents to be able to pick up the phone and call, you know, that agent and say, hey, what's up, man? Even though we work at different companies, I'm still friends with a ton of agents, you know, that don't work for my company. This episode is brought to you by DistroKid. DistroKid is a distribution service that can get your music into all the DSPs like Spotify, Apple Music, TikTok, Tidal, Instagram. Over a million artists have used DistroKid. I'm one of those artists. I've used DistroKid to get my music out, distribute some of my songs. As you know, as I look into all of these distribution services, I test them out. And DistroKid is great. They offer a ton of features, annual fee unlimited uploads and you keep a hundred percent of your royalties check out districtkid.com what's going on welcome to the new music business i'm your host ari herstand author of how to make it in the new music business the book third edition is out now in all formats hardcover ebook audiobook however you do the book thing Today, my guest is JJ Kasiri. He is the co-founder of the independent talent agency 33 and West. Uh, part of this talent agency, they represent, of course, musicians, but also comedians, uh, actors, that sort of thing. Uh, of course, because this is the New Music Business Podcast, we spent the majority of the time uh, talking about the uh, music side of this operation. Uh, JJ previously came from the Circle Talent Agency. He was a promoter before. Uh, a lot of the people that work at 33 and West came from other agencies, such uh, the big ones, you know, such as UTA or uh, Circle or uh, Kenmore or... Um, William Morris, any of these uh, bigger agencies, and and they've they've developed um, quite a large roster. They have uh, over a hundred artists, and they formed in 2018. So they're not that old, and they're they're still an, an independent agency. Uh, their their corner of the market that they kind of uh, I would say have a a large proportion of artists on the roster is kind of in the hardcore punk metal scene uh and that's kind of their their roots where they got started and where they um have a lot of uh the artists still in that realm so you know we talk about that scene we talk about support tours how to land a support tour um we talk about his thoughts on tour buy-ons uh which means uh artists paying to get uh on a tour which uh i am not a fan of. I don't support that practice whatsoever. Uh, but you'll be interested to hear his response to that topic of discussion and what he has to say about it. Um, we talk about uh, how he negotiates and works with promoters and buyers in that relationship, and uh, how to go about you know setting up these tours and how to negotiate uh, these. He, we talk about his opinion on merch fees and what. 
uh, his approaches with that, and and rather all the expenses, all the fees that venues and promoters tack onto these deals, and how he approaches, uh, you know, getting the best deal for his artists. So it was a, a very in depth conversation. We you know we started high level, and then we got uh, kind of more granular and granular until the very end, where we were really just getting to like line items on deal points and, and breaking those down. So this is a, an educational episode for sure. If you're interested in the live space and kind of how agents are working these days, um, how it's working, uh, especially in in this market, um, this is going to be a, a fascinating episode for you. Check out 33 and West and all the artists that they represent on their website. You can just visit. It's, uh, let me get the right one here. It is 33and, you spell it A-N-D, west.com, or they are on Instagram. You can also find uh, JJ on Instagram. That's just at JJ Kasiri. And you can find all of us that make the show happen at Ari's Take on Instagram, TikTok, X and Threads. You can find me at Ari Herstand on Instagram and Threads. Visit Ari'sTake.com. Get on the email list. That's where you're going to get the most relevant, up-to-date information about the new music business. We'll ping you every time we got a new episode and other important uh, important information, articles that I write uh, for Variety, for Ari's Take, all of that. You'll get on the email list, and we'll send you all of it. And uh, But pause the episode right now. If you could just leave us a five-star review on Spotify or Apple Podcasts or subscribe on YouTube. Follow us up wherever you're listening to this. Just hit the subscribe button. Hit the follow button. Uh, that really helps. All right. Let's kick into the show. JJ Kasiri, welcome to the show. All right. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. Yeah, yeah. So um, I was taking a look at your 33 and West uh, roster and site and all the socials and everything. Um, it, it's, it's. Uh, I mean, what you've built up in just the last few years is, is very impressive. Can you just kind of give us um, an overview of what 33 and West is right now? Yeah, so 33 and West is an, an independent full-service talent agency you know, based mm-hmm. out of Los Angeles, California. Our office is in downtown Los Angeles. We actually just moved offices, so we're right near LA Live, Staples Center, that kind of that area. But yeah, yeah we represent talent from all spectrums around the globe. You know, we're not just we're international. We do a ton of business overseas too, with you know music clients and comedians, and we have a TV and film arm as well department. You know, so mm-hmm. representing writers, directors, um, screenwriters, you know, production companies and. Yeah, it's a, it's a you know it's a robust, independent, full service talent agency. So in in um, you know I, I've delved into the uh, the film and TV world a little bit, um, so I, I I understand that that realm uh, a bit. Uh, we're not going to talk about it, but I do uh, want to touch on that. There's different terminology when it comes to film and TV and in music and what talent agency or talent agent means for actors is actually very different for music. Same with management. Uh, that was a really big awakening for me uh, when I was doing some acting back in the day when I knew so much about music. And then I learned what a, a manager in um, for actors do versus what a manager for musicians do. It's night and day. So um, specifically in terms of music, I'm, I'm curious when you say talent agency, are you a booking agency? Are you a management company? Are you a distributor? Do you have a record label? Break it down on the music side for me at least now just so we kind of all understand what we're talking about right now yeah so 
there's a, there's a little bit of confusion sometimes, right? Because yeah. a lot of artists sometimes where people think managers and agents are actually the same, but they're yes. they're pretty different. They're they're similar yes. in certain ways, but they're they're two different pieces of a t- of an artist's team. Uh, for yeah. us, you know, when I say talent agency, yes, we represent talent, but we're also a booking agency, right? Okay. On, on the on the music, you know, in, in the, for live events and touring, we're booking. You know, that's where the booking terminology comes in. Where we're a booking agency, we you know curate and coordinate when, where, why the artists, you know, um, or the talent, right? Per se, because mm-hmm. artists might see music, but talent might be a comedian, right? Sure. So. Um, yeah, so it's a talent agency and one of the facets of it is booking part of it is booking, like, you know, booking tours, routed tours, festivals, theaters, you know, any of our talent that has a live business. Got it. Got it. Cool. Um, great. No, that's helpful. And when did, uh, when did you officially launch? When did you officially open for business? Yeah. So we launched in 2018 mm-hmm. and, you know, with me as one of the one of the co-founders, and then Dan Rosenblum and Matt Pike, who are my other mm-hmm. my other uh, partners in the company. You know, mm-hmm. we all stem from you know some of the major agencies. You know, some of uh, you know Matt had his own agency for twenty years called the Kenmore Agency out of Boston. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you know to kind of rewind a little bit. You know, I'm from Florida. You know, Dan's from Florida, and you know Matt's from Boston, and. You know, we all had our own kind of in small independent booking agencies and then kind of made our way through, you know, the, the roller coaster journey of a ride of the entertainment world it is. And, you know, worked at, you know, Dan was at UTA and I worked at the agency group. And, you know, we all met up at a company called Circle Talent Agency at the time, which mm-hmm. was, you know, the prominent independent, like more electronic DJ agency um, and that's when we all kind of came together. You know, I went there first to head their live department, uh, which meant, you know, all the artists that were not DJs. Um, mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, Matt had a, you know, so we all kind of, you know, came together at Circle Talent Agency. Um, and then when they decided to, you know, sell their firm uh, to UTA, we were just like, hey, we've been doing this for so long. You know, we, we had about, you know, about around 100 music clients at the time between the three of us. And they all were pretty much coming with us. So, you know, it really was a cool. testimony of, I felt like, of who we are and our relationships and, you know, how hard we work for our clients and our managers and the community as well. So we decided, yeah. hey, you know, this is it's time to do our own thing and rip the bandaid off. And, uh, you know, we launched in 18 out of my apartment in uh, Wilshire and La Brea, where the right where all the crazy constructions going on with, with the subway. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and... Um, yeah, and then just you know got the office about eight or nine months later in downtown Los Angeles, which we first were at you know on um, uh, you know, Eighth and Santee called Santee Alley in the Fashion District area, mm-hmm. uh, and then January eighth, you know five years later, you know five years from then, you know we we opened up our brand new office that we're in currently right across the street. So it started with the three of us, mm-hmm. um, and it you know from music. Um, and now it's, you know, become a, you know, full service independent talent agency with, you know, um, plenty of people that have worked at other companies. Peter DeSantes, who was at UTA, who headed the live, I'm sorry, who headed their, um, their uh, music and comedy uh, crossover department, you know, so, mm-hmm. so, so clients who are talent 
that has aspirations for on-screen, you know, um, aspirations, you know, we can service them. Um, you know, a ton of other agents here that have, you know, Shan Patrick at New York, at CAA, you have Ian Fintak, who was over at APA and ICM, and I met him at the agency group. Uh, Daniel McCartney just joined the company from UTA. I saw that. We had Daniel on the on the show actually not too long ago. Yeah. Oh, great. great. Yeah. So, you know, um, you know, Jim Sennett, you know, he was at William Morris. He's one of our coordinators. So, you know, we all kind of come from, most of us have come from um, some sort of story from before 33 and West. And, yep. you know, now we have a great stable of, you know, of people and we keep growing and, you know, it's, it's, it's been a, it's been a great journey to put ourselves around, you know, good people per se. Right. Yeah. Um, with your music roster specifically, is there a, um, a corner of the industry that you say you, uh, kind of, uh, live in or, uh, have a, a larger kind of, uh, kind of proportion of, these kinds of artists or, or is there kind of a, a genre or style or culture or something that, that your music roster more or less embodies that people know, know you for? Yeah. So we came from more of the hardcore metal punk community, um, uh-huh. you know, that warp tour scene, I guess you want to call yep. it. So, you know, that's, I was a promoter I'm from West Palm beach Fort Lauderdale area. So I was a promoter at first and Dan was a promoter up in Tallahassee so, you know, we, we all three, the three of us stemmed originally from the more punk oriented metal world. Um, and we still have, yeah. we still have a ton of artists in that space, but throughout the years, you know, it's just, you know, as time goes on and you get older and, you know, I still love metal and love the community and love people and the work tour and all that scene. Um, you know, but eventually you just, you eventually want to try, you know, representing all sorts of talent and musicians and, even comedians, you know, so, mm-hmm. um, but we stemmed from, um, that scene originally. Right. Yeah. I noticed that in, on your roster, but I, and I was curious cause I, I'm not, um, deep into that scene and I'm not super familiar with it, but, um, I'm fascinated by it and I can, you know, respect and appreciate it. Uh, where do you see kind of the, uh, the genre and culture is these days and are you bringing on newer artists within that that world and and is it as thriving as it was in like the warp tour era yeah i mean i think all genres go through kind of this you know this uh what's what i'm looking for you know this um it's a circular yeah yeah it's kind of like this yeah exactly you know so you have where you know years ago maybe hip-hop music wasn't really where it used to be and now you know, maybe hip hop's not at, at the top like it used to be anymore now because, you know, you know, punk and metal and emo music is researched. I mean, you know, you got, right. the, you know, it's really has researched when, when we were young was a big part of that. And yep. even Machine Gun Kelly coming out with his album that he came out, he kind of transitioned over and that kind of broke open the ice a little, broke open the world, too. And, you know, mm-hmm. um, so I think it's stronger than ever, you know, but I think I, what I meant is a cycle, right? Every yep. genre has kind of this cycle of. You know, and I think it has to play into, you know, society, culture, where we're at and just, the, and, you know, in, in life, you know, um, mm-hmm. nostalgia, Nick's, you know, being, all those nostalgia bands are coming back. You know, you're seeing all these bands that haven't played shows and toured in a while that are now playing shows. And you're like, oh, my God, you know, they haven't played they haven't toured in 20 years or 15 years. And you're starting yeah. to see um, 
all these throwback bands coming back. And, you know, I think that scene, especially even heavy metal and death metal and death core and all the really heavy music, um, it's, it's, it's back. It's definitely back yeah. stronger than ever. And, you know, it's great to see that, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I, um, yeah, I saw, I mean, I, I totally get the nostalgia factor when, with like the, when we were young festival and, and those, you know, bands that are having resurgence, but, but, you know, I was looking at your roster and, uh, you know, even some of these like younger, newer artists are, are participating in the genre. Um, mm-hmm. and in, in a real way, like I, I saw you just brought on, uh, thanks so much. Um, you know, and, and it's like, these artists are kind of in that realm a bit, the, the, the kind of that metal core punkish rock, you know, scene, I suppose. And, um, are you seeing that like kids are, are kind of, getting into this this is that where the resurgence is coming from or is it more the nostalgia 30 40 somethings no i think it's a mixture you know i think i mean okay. tiktok had a big tiktok really helped to be honest too i mean helped in a lot of ways a lot of genres um yep. you know really blew up a lot of bands and artists and new artists and you know there's a, we're, we're actively always trying to find what's next and what people kids the kids are listening to or per se right. you know um because yep. you know but like Bands like Story of the Year and Yellow Car, you know, the, I mean, Story of the Year just put out a brand new album, and they're one of my favorite bands, and they're still putting out, you know, great music. So, sure. Blink One Eight Two just put out a, you know, a new album, which is I think phenomenal. So, you still, it's, I think it's a hybrid of just like, you know, older bands now putting out music and touring more, you know, mixed in with a lot of this, you know, the story, you know, story so far, and you know, those bands have, yeah, they've been around for a minute, but they're still pretty young bands still, you know. Um, yep. Even even younger than that too, like Point North, this band that we have on our roster, you know, who's got a ton of buzz in that space. So, you know, I think yep. it's it's all kind of it's all kind of just one big smorgasbord of just like everything, you know. Yeah. I really truly believe that because cool. you have like you know you have the, the older you know brother and sister going out to the shows with the younger brother, you know, the the, fam- the older brother. I need you know you need to come to this show to see this band, you know, and the, or right. the younger the younger. You know, you know, I'm older now, you know, like a young generation around me, like, oh, listen to this band. I'm like, oh, cool. So I think it's a it's a it's a symbiotic, you know? Yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense. Um, when you're looking for artists to bring onto your roster uh, on the music side, what do you look for in them specifically? It's a that's a. I, that's a question we get asked a lot, you know, when I speak at some seminars or some colleges or, you know, you have, you know, um, just people ask, you know, questions in general and artists typically want to ask, like, Hey, what do you look for? You know, mm-hmm. and it's, it's a, it's a, it's, there's many layers to that question. You know, it's not just, it's not just a really, it's, it's not a one, two easy question to answer because there's so many variables, you know, I think a lot of it is too, is, you know, yes, it comes down to the music, right? I have to personally, feel passionate to really want to represent this artist because I believe in their art. I believe in what mm-hmm. they're doing. Right. And I can really connect with it. Um, mm-hmm. But there's more to it than that. Right. There's plenty of artists out there that have so much talent that have, you know, the chops and the guitar riffs and the singing that don't get the recognition that they deserve. Right. Right. Um, because there's, there's, a, there's, a, there's, a, there's a business side of the, of the spectrum where, you know, artists putting together, you know, the right teams, which is important. And for me, you know, no, not per se, you know, you know, it's a mixture of if if an artist has a really good manager that I may be friends with that I know has history that will come to me. So a lot of it's referral based sometimes too, you know, Um, I'm actively Mm -hmm. always looking for artists and, you know, doing my due diligence to 
keep my ear to the ground. But, you know, as time has gone on now, people kind of will say, hey, you know, check this artist out. And if it's a reputable manager or someone that maybe I've known or, you know, that helps. Not saying it's everything, but it does help. Sure. That's just what it is, you know. Um, and that's, you know, if I believe in this artist and I see what, you know, what the manager is excited about and I want to get on board with it, then, then, I, then I engage. Or we have plenty of artists that don't have managers, that don't have teams. And that's, very, and that's pretty valuable, too, because, you know, if I find a young artist and I really believe in them, and you know, I can help them, guide them, and maybe find them a home at our label or find them a manager and help put the pieces together for them. So, mm-hmm. you know, back in the day, I felt like it was pretty old school where if you found or like, you know, if you came across an artist and they weren't signed or they didn't have those pieces, it was like, oh, no, I don't want to deal with that. Now it's more fruitful to actually find an artist that, you know, has no baggage or has nothing really tied to them that's kind of fresh. So you can kind of start from scratch and really, you know, for us, it's about the white glove, you know, glove service, you know, getting in the cut and, you know, getting in getting in the you know front lines with these artists from the from the very beginning to find them a team that you can trust too right mm-hmm. um so it's a couple of different variations of like you know yes the music um yeah i mean of course like not every young developing artist is it, it is perfect it's not you know and you know it's about seeing through some of the things that need to be fixed is it their image is it you know maybe some of their songwriting um, but if you can see the light in the tunnel and you can, you know, really gamble, you know, on them and, and then, the, cause they're gambling on themselves as well too. Right. I mean, being a right. musician, you know, it, it's a gamble, right. You know, the entertainment yeah. industry and, you know, being a band and going on the road and touring and, you know, going away from home, like, it's all one big gamble. So it's a gamble for me too, because yeah, I'm not the artist and I'm not on the road, but I'm also, you know, blood, sweat and tears, putting all my resources and all my late night hours and, everything else to hopefully get this artist to a point where we're like, remember when we were doing a hundred people and now we're doing a thousand people. And that's what right. really, that's really, you know, got me hooked to getting in the entertainment industry or as an agent is, you know, seeing like that's that story of, you know, having someone that's played a small bar and now they're headlining, you know, a thousand venue, you know, a thousand capacity or whatever it may be, or 500 people even and be like, yep. you know, that's cool. Let's talk about that. How important is ticket history when you're bringing on a band? I mean, not, I mean, it, you know, um, not much, you know, I mean, listen, if, if, if it's a young band, you know, as the agent, you have to have your expectations, right? If you know, you're going to talk to a young artist and they have very minimal, you know, touring history, then there's probably no ticket history, but you see the music, you see the music videos, or you see what they've been doing on their own. And you're like, okay, like, the tickets can come later, um, not come later, but touring can come later, right? Where, you know, sometimes you got to really dial in what the actual, what, what, you know, finding the finding what the band is and what they want to be, you know, like there's yeah. before you actually can run and start playing shows, you know? So mm-hmm. a lot of times we sign artists that, you know, play minimal shows, but then you work with them on other pieces of their, of their business or of their, of their band to get more dialed in before they start hitting the road, you know, which is that more music? Are they not putting enough content out? Is there a new photo shoots we need to do? Is there a new, a new branding we need to go over with their logo? And, you know, so um, ticket history is not everything. Now, if I'm talking to an artist that's a bigger artist, right, that's been established and, sure. you know, let's say has an agent and is not happy and wants to change 
you know, change an agent or someone who's a free agent who has that doesn't have an agent who's looking for a home, but they've been around and been touring. Then, yeah, there's, there's those questions that we ask of like, you know, doing our due diligence to research what their business is and see what sure. and does that match their expectations, you know, because and if I feel that art, if I feel the expectations are maybe too high for what I feel is right or, you know, I, I might not want to work with the artist because they might, you know, might not be on the same page, you know, so. Yeah. There's there's a, there's a little there's a bunch of different layers to some of this stuff, you know. Sure. Um, let's talk about building a, a younger, kind of newer artist. Um, you mentioned ticket history uh, doesn't play a huge factor, and I understand if you're a new artist, they wouldn't have that history necessarily. How do you approach building with them? Uh, you know, the industry right now is so obsessed with social media, TikTok specifically, um, these short form videos. You know, as a live booking agent that is focused on the live space uh what is your approach at developing a new artist so going back to the ticket the ticket history right so if there is a young artist right that because a lot of times you hear you know you 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 get tipped off on certain you know from certain club owners or venues like hey i had this band here and they headlined my my club on a tuesday night and sold 100 tickets so there's a little bit of that, you know, like where a young artist can come in and, and draw tickets because they've been building organically themselves on the, on the Internet. And so there, if you hear that, you're like, OK, like there's something maybe going on a little bit more than maybe I thought. And that's intriguing. Right. So mm-hmm. young bands, young artists can still, like, you know, go work and when they work and, and they can they can put their videos out and, and build their content online and they go book a show because they self book their own show and they draw 50 people or 80 people, that's good you know, data and intel to have. You know, I'm not saying it's everything, but it's something. So I just want to make that yeah. clear that, yes, sure. ticket sales, um, that's my business, right? How you know, I, I create live events and, and ticketed events and, you know, um, well, non-ticketed events too, but mainly ticketed events. So mm-hmm. yes, having someone who can eventually sell tickets is important. I'm not saying it's not, but it's not everything. It's not everything. There's, there's, uh, there's a ton of artists out there that, come off the internet and that form all these members of bands that you know never played a show before. Right? right. Um, there's plenty of bands in the metal scene and rock scene that just have formed on the internet and have all this hype on the internet, but by building their social media that haven't played a show. But what you're looking towards is the future of like, Hey, I feel, I feel like if we can do a show in Los Angeles or Chicago, whatever market that we feel, I think it could go off. And that's the gamble that I talked about before is that, yeah. you know, so does that make sense? Yeah, it makes sense. I'm curious, though, uh, when you're looking to build uh, an artist and grow an artist, uh, how do you approach it? Yeah. So, you know, on the live on the touring or live event side, you're saying, right, not just in general, right? Because like the general is, you know, if they have a manager, maybe we try to pitch them to managers to see if anyone's interested, you know, um, in the live space. Yeah. Cause uh, your business model, uh, is, you know, yeah. I'm assuming and, and correct me if I'm wrong, but booking agents take about 10%, uh, of the artist's live business. So you're not really taking a percentage or a commission of the artist's entirety. So it's not like we're going out and getting syncs or I need to up their streaming so I can make more money. Like if we're talking your business model, that's your focus. Uh, how do you build that with an artist? So, you know, that, that investment that you're uh, putting in early on, when they're not really selling tickets, you're not making much money off of 100, you know, selling 100 tickets a night. How do you build that to that thousand level or, or beyond? Like, what's what's your approach at building a young artist like that? 
Yeah, I think it's also um, what we have internally. We have about 150 music clients, right? So if this artist is a young metal band, you know, we try to put them on a tour with maybe some of our bigger metal bands and they can support mm-hmm. them, right? So getting these support opportunities, you know, um, are, are fruitful, right? If, you know, they're a young band and, you know, they're, they're building and there's some, you know, if, you know, if there's some buzz and like, you know, they build their own buzz within their own self. Cause it's also on the artists too. I have to lean on them because they kind of supply the information, the, the ammunition for, for me. I can't sure. write music. I can tell you maybe how the photos should look or the vibe. Like I can give you my, 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 uh, my uh, wisdom, but when it comes down to yep. like that, the ammunition, the nuts and bolts, I, it's hard for, you know, I have to trust them. But once we get to that point, going out and trying to get them support tours and maybe try to open up for bigger artists that we have internally or yep. not even touring yet, right? I think, that, I think mm. it's, a lot, it's a lot different now where back in the day, you know, if you were a band signed to a record label, you had to tour, tour, tour and really hit the road hard. And I'm not saying touring is not important because it is. That's the first line of the, that's the first line of real marketing, in my opinion, because now you're talking sure. to the fan at the show in person. That is the number one marketing for any artist is to play live events, in my opinion. Yes, and the, the digital the digital is important too. Um, so it's about packaging. Maybe try to get them on tours or other art or other tours that we have or other agents that we know have tours going out or not touring the band immediately letting them still put out content, build their, just keep kind of building. I've had it where you know, I've signed an artist and didn't book a show for six months because they have in the can, they had a ton of you know content coming out. They had videos, they're very self-efficient. And that's one thing I look for, you know, when I work for with a band or an artist that they're, you know, they have to be self-efficient because they have, this is their career. It's, you know, I can't yeah. tell them to get up off the couch and write music and, and, and invest into themselves. So sure. if that's all teed up, you know, it's like, hey, you know, maybe don't tour yet. Let's keep building this data. Let's keep putting videos and get the views up and then look at the yep. analytics and say, OK, which 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 market do we want to hit? You know, do we want to hit yep. Arizona? Where are you guys from? What's your hometown to really plant our flag in? And then maybe then do our own headline show in a small club or you know, a small club, you know, and that, you know, that could be fruitful, too. So you're not you're not you're not. Yes, a big support tour could be great, but also paving your own way can also be is very fruitful as well. Real quick, I want to let you know about Two Lost. Two Lost is a new distribution company to the space. And let me tell you, I am very impressed with them. I, I got a full deep dive demo with the founder. And yeah, they're very innovative. And when you come into the distribution space at this stage with how crowded it is, you better be innovative. And they are. Yes, they will get your music out to Spotify, Apple Music, all the places, plus 450 other outlets around the world. They do not take a commission. This is why 300,000 artists and labels have already used them. They've already distributed 7 million songs. They offer payment splitting, and they don't charge your collaborators for this service for the payment splitting. They will just pay your collaborators directly for free. They have publishing administration with... BMG, so you know it's legit. A lot of distributors have have fallen into trouble with using some other uh, less than legit pub admin services. Well, Two Loss is partnered with BMG. You know it's legit. They offer instant royalty advances. Uh, this is something that's very cool. And if you have historical streaming data and you need just a bulk payment up front, 
They can see how much your music has earned in the past. I'm like, all right, we think we know what you're going to earn in the next three years. Here's a check for a hundred grand or whatever it will be. And you can just click a button and get that distributed and um, into your account immediately. They do lyrics and credits distribution for free. They have a very innovative analytics platform where, yes, you will see real-time analytics for Spotify, Apple Music, but also Pandora, Deezer, SoundCloud, and Peloton. They're the only ones that do Peloton. Uh, They also have a service where you can search the internet wherever your music is being used, and it will just show you a chart of Everywhere, every TikTok video, everywhere, every YouTube video, everywhere your music is possibly being used. I've never seen this before. That was very cool. They'll register you with SoundExchange, and they have a fraud prevention tool, and they're doing fraud prevention. So if you're worried about your music, you know, getting a bot attack or something like that and getting ripped down, which we've seen is a big issue, uh, they have fraud prevention tools that are better than most other distributors that I have seen. Check out Two Lost. You can just go to twolost.com. Use the promo code Ari's Take for three months free and try them out. Let them know what you think. Yeah, let's talk about support tours uh, for a minute. Uh, what's your opinion of tour buy-ons? It's it's you know, I don't do I don't I don't do them. You know, I I, I think it's just very. Uh, you know, it's tough because, you know, yeah, you have artists that might have a leg up on another artist that has money, that has more funds because of what their situation is. You know, um, I, you know, I'm not a huge believer in it. You know, um, you know, I think if, a, if an artist has, you know, you know, it also depends on where the money's going towards to, to a certain degree, you know, there's, there's sometimes these bands will contribute, you know, a marketing contribution that the tour really uses for marketing and going towards ads and marketing so like that could be a thing but when it comes down to a band is solely paying because they want to be on a tour it's just doesn't really it's it's tough to sit right you know it's tough yeah so uh, is it safe to assume that you don't uh none of your bands or the ones that you're working with participate in that practice of uh either selling opening slots or buying on uh tours to support yeah no my, my artists don't buy on to tours Okay. They get, the tour artist- they, they, they get the tour because they deserve it. Cool. Um, and you and none of your artists will sell their kind of opening slots to your headliners? Not to my knowledge. Okay. <laughs> <But> no. <laughs> I no. hope not. No. Yeah, well, yeah. you know, like, I mean, in hip-hop, it's a thing where guys do that. You know, it's very common for, for rappers and hip-hop artists to sell. I'm not, you know, that's just the real of it. You know, a lot of them sell mm-hmm. slots and you know, guys show up and play and the promoter's like, yo, like what's going on right now? But when it yep. comes down, you know, from, you know, from rock world or, I mean, I mean, it, it happens out there, but my clients, no. Yeah, no, that's good to hear. I mean, it, it happens in the meta world too, quite a bit. Yeah. I mean, I have, uh, uh, across the music industry, what I've seen is it's, it's most prevalent in hip hop and in metal. Uh, yeah. To be honest, I don't know why it's these two genres and it's not really in the other genres, um, you know, and, and, and I agree and I appreciate that you kind of uh, differentiated between, uh, you know, a straight tour buy on where somebody is literally paying the headliner 
uh, a set amount of money to get on a certain number of dates and the headliner in return provides nothing, no spot on the bus, no hotel rooms, no, literally nothing except for the opportunity to play uh, before them, you know, maybe even first of three before them uh, at a show. Um, That's a really big different situation than, for instance, like uh, participating in expenses or something like that, where it's like, okay, you can hop on the bus, it's going to be hotels, we're going to do this, there's going to be marketing. And you know, you're gonna, we're going to need X amount, but you're still getting paid a couple hundred bucks a show to open it. But we need this, you know, these expenses covered. There's a big difference there. Correct. There's a big difference, you know, and like the band does a buy on, and they're actually also getting paid a small guarantee to hopefully offset a little bit while the money's going right. into marketing that's the more that's a little more tolerable than like hey like you're not you're not on the flyer like no one knows you even exist like that's wrong you know so right it, it depends on the situation but i think we're on the same page yeah yeah and i you know we've heard these these horror stories of of bands that have bought on tours and they're just like treated with the utmost disrespect (laughs) throughout the process because they're there for their money they're not there because they you know the the other bands on the bill the headliners really like them it's it's uh the 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 value proposition is very different and they're treated very differently in that situation not recommended no and i get asked all i I get emails all the time from just random rogue people like hey you know Band I manage has 10k. Can we buy on? I don't want to respond to that. You know, I don't. I don't. Right, wait. right, right. I just think it's it's it has to also come from a if I if I if I did do that, um, it had to become from a very reliable source of like someone who I trust. And the band has like there's something going on, right? Like mm-hmm. the band is working or they're playing shows and like they are kind of streaming. Like there's something to it. It can't just be just like this band. Like there has to be some sort of art to the band still it can't just be some band has doesn't have their shit together from sorry to curse can we, can we curse on this yeah we can curse this okay. is, it's a podcast okay. <laughs> not live on the radio okay. um, yeah yeah um cool so um in terms of uh you know these uh, let's say uh ethical uh support tours and slots and and all of that and what you deal in typically um, what is your approach, or maybe let's just say, uh, for the uh, artists out there, the managers out there, maybe even some of these younger agents out there listening to this, when they're trying to get their artist as a support act on a tour, um, what is the approach? What do you recommend that they do uh, when they see a tour uh, that they, or an artist or something? How, how, do, how do you get your artist as a support act on a tour? Yeah, I mean, it comes down to a relationship with the other agents, you know, and it's the okay. agent's job to really call around and, you know, find out what they're working on. That's part of the art of being an agent. You know, like a lot of people think that, oh, a booking agent is book shows. You know, yes, that's part of it, but there's much more to that, you know, and one of them mm-hmm. is the art of having a great relationship with other people, other agents to be able to pick up the phone and call, you know, that agent and say, hey, what's up, man? Even though we work at different companies, I'm still friends with a ton of agents, you know, that don't work for my company, you know, um, that met throughout the years. So it really comes down to you know, a big part of it is the relationship of finding first the intel of if that band is touring first. Right mm-hmm. now, if a band wants a support tour, then usually the manager and the agent will create a hit list. Hey, what bands do we want to target that really fit that for what we what fans we want to try to target? So we put a list together and say, OK, you know, if I have a young metal band, they, you know, Let's check out what Suicide Silence is doing or let's go check out what Carnifex is doing. And, 
you know, you know, converge or whatever artist, you know, we want to try to target. And, you know, you would call the agent, you know, reach out to that agent. Hey, what's up, man? Uh, oh, hey, Jenna, you know, uh, you know, is Converge touring next year? Oh, yeah, they're actually going to they're going to tour in the spring. Oh, OK. You know, what the dates are OK, cool. Can I send some ideas? Yeah, no problem. Or, hey, I have this band that I really want to talk to you about. So it really, you know, the, the first initial step is the agent, you know, finding out. And of course, the managers have relationships too, where they talk to managers and agents and people find out information of when artists are touring. But it is the job of the agent to really call their agents to find out what artists they have going out. And then from there, that's when the pitch begins. You know, that's yeah. when you, you educate the art, you know, the town, the other agent of who the artist is. But also, you know, the artist might know that artist. The artists know each other, right? So if they know that artist, I might say, hey, uh, Paul, you know, this, you know, your friend's band is going out. You know, do you, do you know, do you know these guys? He might be like, yeah, I do. I, you know, I know Tim, the bass player. Okay, well, maybe throw him a text. Hey, dude, we submitted for your tour. You know, we'd love to tour with you guys. So some of that, that so once the submission happens, then from there, you know, I tell the manager and the, and the artist, uh, what we've submitted for, and then, then we try to figure out different angles to who you know. Do someone know the manager? Does somebody know the other? Does someone know the band member? Does, is the attorney friends with our attorney? So it is. You kind of hit from all different angles to try to get the support tour. Yeah, the first initial is the agent getting the intel, but from there is the is the team. You know, with the manager, me, and maybe even the attorney or even the label. You know, hey guys, mm-hmm. we we're, we're pushing for this tour. They'll call that manager. They might have a that that manager might have a band on their label as well, and use that angle. So it's it's yeah. one big team effort to try to get a support opportunity sometimes. Or you know, a lot of times these headliners they know what they want, and some bands have to understand that. Some bands yeah. don't want or artists don't understand. Oh, I didn't get that tour. Why I didn't get that tour? And it, I make perfect sense. Or this artist got it over me. Well, because that headliner likes what they liked at the end of the day too. They make the decision. Yep. We have so yep. much, we have so much control, but some of these other, some of these older, not older, but older or headlining artists, they like what they like. That's it. You know, there's, yep. there's not, you know, or some of them are open to like, yeah, let's put a band on there. We don't know that's younger. Or, you know, some artists only want to bring, you know, maybe a female fronted act. They don't want females, you know, there's certain things that, you know, headliners have in their head, because they're curating a show for their fans to enjoy as well. And if your band doesn't fit that, what they feel is right for their show or their tour, then it doesn't make sense. You could yeah. be drawing, you could be drawing tickets and streaming and all this stuff and still not get a tour because that headliner made a decision that we want to pick this band for our tour. Mm-hmm. So you know, some artists yeah. sometimes get upset about that. And it's like, guys or girls, you know, this is, you know, at the end of the day, it is their decision. You know, we'll, we'll do everything right. we can to our, ability with our relationships and to supply them all the information that we've been working hard and drawing and this and that. But at the end of the day, it comes down to that headliner saying, we want to pick that band. Yeah. Yeah. No, that, and that's uh, the great perspective. And, and, and I, I like hearing that, you know, all the different approaches that you need to take and that it's not just one phone call or one email. It's you're working all different angles. And uh, it is very, I mean, you know, as the music industry is, it's very convoluted. There's no straight line to it. There's no like uh, A plus B equals C ever. Um, and you mentioned something, you're talking a lot about calls and especially with the younger people listening right now. Um, I'm curious as an agent, um, do you do more business on the phone 
over email, over social media, over Zoom, like just break down the mediums that you work in. Uh, and if this was like a pie chart, what is like the percentages of different mediums that you work in as an agent? You know, I was taught to pick up the phone, you know, and I know times are different now, you know, and paper trails a thing. Yes, if you want to put in an email to make sure you're in writing, but most of the real deals in my career come from the phone or in person. You know, if you want right. something, wow. then you will pick up the phone. And you know what? If it's that important, someone will call you, right? Is how I look at it. But when it comes down to, you know, how much business we get done between each, you know, each uh, communication, you know, email and text. I mean, I, I, I you can tell my staff, you can ask my staff, we, we are very big on pick up the phone. If you want something, because when you read that email and someone comes across and says something to you and you read it in a way that they didn't say it, that's how we're going to set the tone of how you're going to respond to them on email, right? Yeah. Instead of trying yeah. to assume or fester about someone who wrote something to you in text or email, call them and say, if you need another 500 bucks from the promoter to pay your band, you pick up the phone. You pick up the phone. And there's guys and, and girls, like Erica down in San Antonio and all these promoters I've been dealing with for 10, 15, 20 years, you know, I've gotten to a point with them where, they, of course, there's the trust built, but because I I put the time to to make a it's a it's a relationship, you know, it really yeah. is. You know, these yeah. I, mean, I, I see I you know I talk to some of these promoters and venue owners and artists more than my own wife, you know, because it's what it is. Because you know, or my own family, or see or, right. or see, I see them more than my own family, you know. So yeah. yeah, you know, yes, email is important, and you know, you know, people need to see stuff in writing and. You know, text, of course, you know, as we evolve, technology is what it is. But when it comes down to it, I tell and I hear people out there. Oh, this person's not getting back to me. Would you call them? No. Well, call them. And then they call yeah. them. And nine times out of 10, you might get what you need. And if not, at least you got close to what you need from that person. And you created yeah. that relationship with them. So now they know there's a voice at the other end. And that's important, mm. you know. Yeah. That's why during that's why during COVID when we were just zooming, I was driving myself insane. I'm like, I need to get out of this house because I was built um, in an office, you know, in person, seeing each other, collaborating together, bringing you know people in that we want to see in person to our office, um, and and using the horn to set up meetings to see each other. Like I, that's just how mm. I was built, and that's how I believe that. Where we're at as a company, we wouldn't be as successful where we're at if we were remote. I truly believe mm. we're at where we're at because we're together under one roof. Mm. I was going to ask you about the office because there's been a lot of that discussion around uh, coming back to the office after mm -hmm. COVID and, and the hybrid work situation, the you know remote situation, especially for your line of work. It seems like it could be done it could be done remotely considering, you know, the vast majority of the business that you're doing is probably with promoters that are not located in like a, a distance that you can see them in. Uh, but that, that makes a lot of sense that, uh, that, that now you have why you're prioritizing the office, I suppose. Well, you know, you know, yes, it's, it bringing the computer and traveling with it and you can book shows. Yeah. Remotely, of course you can book and generate money by, emailing and, you know, picking up the phone on your cell phone still, right? Traveling. Yeah. But when it comes right. down to the office culture and the camaraderie and the, um, you know, the uh, ecosystem that we created here at the company, 
you know, with the young staff, because like it's important for us to be here to nurture and to, you know, and to guide them and give them the keys, you know. And I think if we were all remote, especially during COVID, but let's say we let's say we were, we were remote right now, it, we wouldn't be where we're at right now because for me to go talk to one of my employees and walk over to see her and say, hey, did, you didn't do this right or you did this right. This looks great. There's there's a there's it's much more stronger, more lucrative than like, oh, I pick up the phone or like they didn't pick up the phone or like, hold on, I'm in the kitchen. I'm like, no, 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 no. You know, it's just in, in the agency, booking agency or talent agency, you know, world, there's so much information being traded so fast and current at, and in real time. You know, if, yep. you know, Coachella or Lollapalooza or, you know, when we're young, these buyers call and they want to know, hey, I'm, you know, who do you got? Instead of me trying to call someone who's at home that might be, you know, in the bathroom or, you know, or in the kitchen getting chips or whatever the hell it may be, I can walk over to my team. Hey, guys, listen, Paul Toled or Houston Powell or, you know, Jeffrey Schumann, you know, they, you know these buyers called. They're ready for submissions. What are we doing? Let's strategize. Yeah. And, and, I, and I, we've done that and we've executed like that and it will remain that way. I, I you know. I will, I will not be a remote agency. I will not do it. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's, that's great. Um, and uh, are you guys in the office five days a week? Is that, is that the culture there? Monday through Friday, nine to five. That's our hours. All right. Here. All right. Uh, so. Let's talk about the relationship between uh, you agent and promoter, agent and buyer, rather. You're, you're the seller, and then there's the buyers out there, like you're referencing mm-hmm. these, a lot of promoters uh, primarily. Um how flexible, or I guess let's talk about kind of when you go into a situation where you are pitching one of your artists, let's say it's a headliner, um, you know, maybe it's a 500,000 cap room or something like that, and you're you're setting up a tour. Um, are you going for guarantees? Are you going for, uh, you know, door splits? Are you like, what is, what is the focus at that level of a room? And, and how do you kind of set those tours up? And, and then what is that discussion like with those buyers? Yeah, you know, I think it's every artist is different where, you know, you know, of course, most artists want to guarantee and, you know, they want money up front so they can properly run a budget. Right. And like, yep. OK, the tour equals, you know, three hundred thousand dollars in guarantees and you can work backwards from that. So which, mm-hmm. you know, there's different variation of deals, though. There's a, you know, there's a standard split deal. There's a versus deal. There's a door deal. You know, so there's, there's mm-hmm. kind of different variations. But. You know, a lot of times, because, you know, now we keep talking about music, but I'm a very big, you know, very strong comedy roster. And a lot of comedians, per se, and not saying music artists don't, but a lot of comedians, per se, play the percentage. You know, they rather play the percentage game and get a higher percentage of the door with no guarantee because they know and are pretty confident of their fan base in that market. So it really Mm. depends on the artist. So if I'm calling, if I'm calling a promoter, you know, in Chicago. And again, this comes down to the relationship that we talked about before of, you know, picking up the phone and going to shows and, and having that relationship with the buyer and the promoter, right? If I call someone and say, hey, you know, I have artist X, you know, routing through, I need August 20th, you know, do you have the date? Yes, I have it. Okay, well, what, you know, what do you need? And, you know, I, I feel like at, at this point, a lot of the promoters trust you know, there's a, there's a, there's a trust, right? Cause it's, it is a partnership. Sure. It really is a partnership. Yep. You know, it's the agents in the, in the middle kind of the shield between the artist and the promoter, right? We're in the middle here making sure, yes, we are on the artist team. Yes. We represent the artist, 
but it's also very important that the promoter and the venue feel comfortable and also make a profit, right? So we're all in this together, right? So we all can keep mm-hmm. moving, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So at this point, um, I feel like I have a really great relationship with our buyers to say, hey, this is what I need, you know? And then, of course, there's some of that, you know, we'll go back and forth and we'll negotiate depending on did the band, what has the band been there before? Had they toured the market? Is it their first time in the market? What have they done sure. in markets maybe around that city? So yeah, there's a couple, there's a couple different, you know, layers to a deal and why the deal is what it is. Is it, it's, it's yes, it's relationship based and trust with the buyer and me, but also has the band, what's the data? Has the band headlined here before or they have only supported and gone through as a support act? So this is their yeah. first time then. So there's a, there's a couple different, you know, things we need to discuss and go over and also who the support is. If we have a headliner yeah. and we have two or three support acts underneath that and the package, right? Packaging is so important now. I mean, it's always been important, but packaging is so important now because, you know, you got to make sure that a fan feels they're getting their money's worth. They want to be, oh, you know what? I'm yeah. paying 30 bucks and I'm getting, you know, these four bands. Hell yeah, I'm ready to rock, you know? So right. it's the packaging that really also, it, it also sets the tone for what the, the, the offer is too. Um. And just to clarify these three deals that you're talking about, where it's the straight guarantee, which is pretty straightforward. Uh, we're doing this for 2000 bucks, easy, done. Uh, flat deal. The versus yeah, deal, yeah. flat deal, versus, which is like 2000 bucks versus 70% of the door, right? Or tickets. Well, it could, or be after, it could be after expenses, right? It could be, it's, it's okay. whatever, whatever greater, right? Whatever 2000 guarantee, yeah. but if you're doing versus 60 or 70% from dollar one or after a certain amount of expenses, it's what's greater. The band's guaranteed two thousand, but if the show sells out or does the business, does the yep. does the percentage equal more than the two thousand? That's what the band walks with. And when you're doing those deals, or even like the straight, the final deal that you mentioned, which is kind of the straight split, which I'm assuming is just a straight seventy percent uh, from dollar one or after expenses. Uh, do you work to limit those expenses, or what kind of expenses do you allow in these kinds of deals? Yeah, I think it's it's you know when you're doing the when you're doing a deal that includes expenses, of course you're reviewing the offers, right? Each offer you review and say, okay, you know how much is the marketing budget? And a lot of expenses are are estimated as well. You know when a promoter mm-hmm. sends in uh, a deal with expenses, a lot of them are some are hard costs, right? Some are the rent. The rent is the rent. That's what it is. You know, uh, security mm-hmm. is security. You know, you pay people to sure. make people make sure people are safe. You know, the catering budget could be a variable. Yeah, you budget a thousand bucks for the tour, but what if the promoter only spends six hundred and eighty-nine dollars? Well, the difference then goes back into the split point. It lowers the split point. So there are mm-hmm. certain there are certain uh, expenses that are estimated. Marketing, what if the you know the promoter you know says, Hey, we, you know, I want to put a thousand dollars budget for marketing. Okay. You review the marketing plan, of course, and you know, you go up on sale and the show goes haywire and the tickets fly off the shelves and we sell out. Well, yeah. if you didn't spend the thousand dollars, which is you know, let's say you spent two hundred, well, that eight hundred should that again lowers the split points. So now it increases the artist's walkout potential. Do you audit those numbers, or who checks to make sure that that they spent two hundred bucks instead of a thousand, so you're actually getting that eight hundred dollars back? Yeah, you, you ask you ask for, and that, now now that Seats. comes with the that comes with the the the, the relationship, right? Now the, the the relationship with the buyer and the agent. I've been doing shows with you know, promoter X in San Antonio for 15 years, I trust her, you know, and yeah. if she tells me I only spent 200 bucks, yeah, I could ask her and say, hey, I want to see a receipt. 
but I know her for so long. I do so much business with her. I trust her. So I don't need to ask for a risk. Now there are some promoters, you know, I've never worked with before very vaguely or, you know, here, here and there. And yeah, you can ask for that. Hey, can I, can I get the audit? Okay, cool. Can I get them? Yes. Okay, cool. And they say, show you, they spend on their ads. Okay. It's legit. You know? Mm hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm like thinking about the uh, the testimony that the band Lawrence gave specifically Clyde Lawrence in front of the uh, Congress the Senate uh, early last year. And he talked about how, you know, some venues are charging them 250 bucks for towels and that's going on the, the sudden sheet and they're not even getting the towels. But it's also and they're like, you know, for staff that never showed up and they lined item all these staff people that just didn't exist and weren't there. And it's like that makes me think like. How often is this happening or have expenses kind of uh, gotten, you know, have increased tremendously because of it's just like how honest are promoters being right now? Well, that comes down also to the tour manager. The tour manager is a big part of this, right? The tour manager is on the front lines with the artists. I'm not out in San Antonio and going to, you know, uh, right. Wayne, Indiana, you know, I'm not out there, you know, I used to tour manage, but not anymore. So but as part of the, the tour manager's job, again, a tour manager is an extension of the agent and the manager and the artist team. They're on the front lines with the deal memos and the expenses that we supply them and say, okay, they're staffing for a thousand and a good tour manager. Some are, you know, tougher than others, or you know, some are more nitpicky than others about like, all right, you know, you know, I noticed that we have a thousand dollars security, but there's, you know, there's one guy here that's going on. Yeah. And that's yeah. where the tour yeah. manager will question at settlement. Right. Remember, the offer gets confirmed and everything is somewhat estimated. Right. Yeah. So the tour manager, you know, a good tour manager will question the promoter and say, hey, I noticed, you know, you have 250 for towels. Bro, there's four towels here. You know, so, it's, 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 so you know, there needs to yeah. be a sense of your tour manager to take control and say, hey, you know, I know you budgeted this. Advice, can I see your receipt? Because if not, then we need to adjust the split point. So. If an artist doesn't have a tour manager because they can't afford it or whatever it may be, then there has to be someone in the band. Yes, if if an artist doesn't have a a tour manager and I send a settlement sheet, you know, it's it it there's so many hours in a day. So to sit there and and try to question towels for a hundred bucks, it's it's very rare that's gonna happen. But that's where the tour manager comes in on the front lines at the show. I'm not there, and they report back to us saying, Hey, you know, I did the settlement, you know, I nicked this or I questioned this and there's things we need to discuss after the show. Then, yeah, I'll talk, I'll, I'll hit the, the promoter and say, hey, I see the settlement here. You know, you paid the band X, but I'm being told, you know, dude, there, there was nothing, none, none, there was none of this, none of this, none of this. What's going on here? And then I will question if I need to get receipts. Right. Nice. But that, that, that's the white glove hands on approach that we take with our clients that we do that for them. You know, we are in the cut with them and scrappy and I used to be a promoter. So I, I know, you know, some promoters yep. do pad expenses. They do that. Yeah. All right. Yep. And that's how, and that's how yeah. some of them, you know, have to get by. They spend a hundred bucks on staff. They might tell the agent 200 bucks and sometimes it, 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 it just makes it through, you know? Yep. Yep. How often are you seeing uh, merch fees from the venue or the promoter these days? Like a, a split. Yeah, I know. There's been, there's been, a, there's been a, always a lot of arguments, and, and, and as a as a recent, a lot of artists coming out, you know, being vocal about venues taking right. merch rates. You know. Um, yeah. And you know, um, yeah, from a lot of venues, even though since um, you know all this uproar about merch rates, a lot of them are like mm-hmm. sticking to their guns, saying this is what our merch rate is. If you want to play in our venue, this is what our merch rate is. But there are a lot. There are and a that's lot of non-negotiable. 
Yeah, again, it comes down to the agent and the relationship with the buyer, the promoter, and the and the and the venue. You know, if I if I'm doing a lot of shows at this venue, I'm and I'm doing 15, 20 shows, 30 shows a year there, and we're rocking. You don't you don't think I'm gonna be like, hey guys, uh, you know, I need a better merch rate because I'm I'm funneling in a lot of talent, a lot of that's where you use your your clout per se, or you use your relationship. Like, hey, I'm doing good business with you. My artists yeah. should not be getting 80, 20. You know, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. so it, it, it comes down to the agent really fighting for their artist and hopefully having the relationship they have. But also, there's some venues that don't give a shit, and they're like, right. "We love you, we love your artist, but this is our merch rate. Sorry, dude. Like, we love you, but this is what we're doing. This is our policy." So yeah. it's at that point, do we play that venue, which might be the marquee venue in town, or do we go across the street to a venue that's newer and no one really knows the production's not as good? You know, it, you. you you know, you got to pick and choose your battles, maybe. And you can battle so much when it comes to merch rates. At the end of the day, you know, the artist needs to make a decision on what venue they really want to play that to give their fans the experience they want to you know, give them, right? Is that a conversation you're having with your artists because of this uproar primarily over the last year and the Live Nation initiative where 75 of their venues did away with merch fees uh, completely? I mean, are your artists talking asking about that hey we only want to play venues that don't take a percentage of our merch no a lot of my artists really haven't done that you know a lot of them i think trust me and trust their team to put them in the right venues they should be playing you know um yeah you know so no i you know i haven't really received many artists being like we're not playing these venues unless it's this like i think a lot of artists you know while they have to just deal with it and, you know, and hopefully we fight, you know, we fight for them to get the best merch rate possible. You know, a lot of them just want to stay busy and work. They want to play these venues. They want to go to, you know, the House of Blues is, you know, all these, you know, these, these perception, you know, rooms that give them, give them the perception that they want, you know. So, cool. you know, mm-hmm. some artists are, again, of course, no artist wants a merch rate. You know, no one wants to pay a merch rate. But if it was right. as easy, if it was as easy as that, is that, then it would be, but it's not. Mm-hmm. Right on. Well, JJ, this has been a, a very uh, informative and helpful conversation. I know that everybody listening to this uh, has really appreciated the wisdom that you've brought and uh, all the insight and transparency that you've, you've brought as well. Um, I have one final question that I ask everybody who comes on the show, and that is, what does it mean to you to make it in the new music business? Well, it's really important. You know, I've been doing this for a long time, about 15, 20 years now, 17 years at this point, And, you know, um, I feel like, you know, being part of the, the new generation of, 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 of the music business, you know, of course, keeping some old school mentality with some of it, but also a new forward thinking of how, you know, how people are treated and staff and artists and just the whole like new regime of like where we're at today. I feel like, you know, I'm grateful to be here making a living off, you know, what I love doing, you know, so um, it, it means a lot to me. Awesome. JJ, thank you so much. That was great. All right. Thanks, Ari. Thanks. Today's episode was edited by Mikey Evans with music by Brassroots District and produced by all the great people at Ari's Take. 
This episode is brought to you by DistroKid. DistroKid is a distribution service that can get your music into all the DSPs like Spotify, Apple Music, TikTok, Tidal, Instagram. Over a million artists have used DistroKid. I'm one of those artists. I've used DistroKid to get my music out, distribute some of my songs. As you know, as I look into all of these distribution services, I test them out. And DistroKid is great. They offer a ton of features annual fee, unlimited uploads, and you keep 100% of your royalties. Check out districtkid.com. 